Right, what, what I've done is... What I've done is I've, I've actually... Heidi says to me, look, Andy, you know, can you get some visuals so we can at least keep up um, with what I'm trying to say? And, and, and this has probably been a talk in the making, really, for a long time now. And uh, it was suddenly, Michelle was around, and I'd had a you know, bit of a busy time with the little man, and we got back, and I suddenly realized, as I was going to go to the gym, I haven't done a PowerPoint for tonight, so I had to rush back, forget the gym, and put this together. Um, just so that you, know, you, can, you can keep up a little bit, um, just follow it, because we're going to be talking uh, about... 2014, 2015, and the, and the blood moons and the solar eclipse that, that, that are coming. They're absolutely, you can go on NASA's website. I got this message, not in its entirety, but I got the, the first glimpse of it, really, back in 2008. And uh, so I, I did a bit of research in it, and, and I sort of like preached on it one time, and I preached on it just very briefly here and gave an overview on it, but I really want to go into something deeper. You know, and, and there's something really, some real nuggets in it to prepare us for what's coming on. Um, so, I feel that most, and this isn't a criticism, you know, I feel that, that the most of the church are asleep to this. Most of the church have not got a clue that this is going on. And what 2014 and 2015 are going to bring to us. And uh, you just have to talk to me and Trevor. You know, we're, we're on websites, we're you know, constantly saying, have you seen this, have you seen that? You know, it's coming, folks. These things are coming on the earth. And if you just, I've been saying, you know, I don't know, for a while now, there's judgments coming. And we just have to look at America, what's happening there with the, with the whole vortex of, of, of the weather. But also have a look what's happening on our own shores. I was shocked to see the devastation of cliffs, you know, out in Cornwall or, or in Dorset that have been completely and utterly decimated by the storms. And it almost like we've become quite blasé about it. But we can't, we can't allow it. And I, I'm just, I've, what I've done is I've broken this talk up into two parts because I don't want to rush it. I want you to see um, what's coming and what I feel is coming, you know, and the meaning of it. But what I want to do is really lay a foundation of the word. Lay a foundation in the word that God is trying to say something to us. So, are we ready? Because God, we're just going to ask you now for your inspiration. Father, I pray now let these words be just completely penetrating. And Father, I pray now reveal the truth in Jesus' name. You see, we've got a wrong concept that God hides things from us. No, he hides them for us. That's a friend of mine told me that at the beginning of the week. You know, God is hiding things for us for this time. But are we ready? And so what I want to establish is, what are these moons and what do they mean? And where do they come from? So what are they, what's significant about these and what does it mean to us today? Because we're stepping into it. Genesis 1 verse 14 and 15 basically says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. 
And let them be signs and seasons, and for the days and years, and let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth. And it was so. See, what God wants to do with us today is he wants to give us light. He wants to give us truth. He wants to display, because he will not hide what he's trying to do. But yet he wants the church to really seek deep, the deep things of God. And most of us are completely oblivious to this. But when we have a look at signs and seasons, we've got to understand the meaning of it. The signs and seasons are not winter, spring, summer, or fall. They're not that. And so we've got to get a clearer understanding is that in the Old Testament, signs is to send signals. And signs also means the appearing or to come. And when it's talking, when, it's, when, it, when we see that, it's talking about Jesus. So signs, the old Hebrew, send signals. It's to send signals. And for this reason, God is sending us signals using the sun, the moon, and the stars and the planets. But I'll explain a little bit about that later on. Probably not this week, but certainly next week. And we've got to have a look at, we've got to realize what the the difference is between astronomy and astrology. Astronomy, where you've got all the signs and stars and stuff like that, and astronomy are two totally different things. One is all about self, and the other is all about God. Yes, God put the sun and the moon and the stars up in heaven for signs and seasons. You see, I come from a rugby background. And one of the things that we had in a game of rugby is we had signals for each other, right? For the things that we want to happen. So to give you an example, um, we had, like, when you do the throwing in, if I was to say to my second jumper, wait, John, I'm throwing it to you, what's going to happen? The opposition are going to know where the ball's going. So what I would do is I would give signals to my players who would totally understand where the ball's going. So we used to use something like cows drink beer. So C-O-W-S, cows, that means it goes to the front. Drink, D-R-I-N-K, goes to the middle. Beer goes to the back. So we have three main jumpers. So we had these signals that we would communicate saying this is where the ball's going. Or as me as a scrum half, I would tell my forwards with a back row move where the ball is going. So I'd use three, six, and nine. And if I shouted three, that means it was going to the left side of the field. If I was shouting six, it would be down the middle. Or if I shouted nine or anything with those numbers in it, they would go on the far right. So there were signals and signs for my players to understand what we were doing. And it gets a little bit more complicated. So you will see guys in the lineup, you know, they were shouting, you know, what is it? Right, okay, got it, you know, boom. And he knows exactly what's happening, exactly where it's going. And yet we as a church have lost this. We as a church have got not got a clue what God is going to throw the ball, what part of the game that we're into, what part of the battle plan that we're in. We all have the Enigma Code. Everyone heard of the Enigma Code? The Enigma Code of the Second World War, right, was a code that we broke 
against the Germans. And we found that once we had decoded it, we could understand their communications. Right? And it, break, it basically won the war for us. Totally, God was in it. When he put those amazing men and women, my stepmother included in one of them, when he put them into places like Bletchley to crack the Enigma Code. It was an incredible thing. But God is giving us signs as signals for what we're in. Right, Isaiah 13. I want to give you some scriptures. Isaiah 13. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. And the sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will cause not its light to shine. It's talking about eclipses. Total eclipses. That's in Isaiah. Luke 21, 11. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, famine and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs, signs, that same word, but in Greek now, which is signals in the heavens. So God uses, what I'm trying to lay a platform, God is using the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the planets to send signals to us. And another one. I love this one. Joel 3, 15, 16. The sun and the moon will grow dark, and the stars will diminish in their brightness. The Lord will roll from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake but the Lord will shelter his people and strengthen and the, and the strength of the children of Israel. Folks, if you want to know exactly where we're at, we're at this verse. Without a shadow of a doubt. We're about to see this start to happen. Luke 21 and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations. We're seeing distress on the nations like never before, with perplexity. And the sea and the waves roaring. Folks, we're seeing this on our shores in the United Kingdom. As much as we're seeing other things happening around this world. There are more earthquakes and more volcanoes going off now than ever before in history on an increasing. And it says, man's heart's failing. In other words, heart attacks. There is going to be such fear in this earth that physically men and women are going to be so fearful they're going to drop down dead. Psalm 91. It will not touch your house. See, a thousand on my left, ten thousand on my right die, but it will not touch me. Psalm 91 is the psalm that we keep having to eat daily. And the exception of those things which are coming on the earth, this is hitting our earth as we sit here today, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Listen, folks, in the second heavens, it's been shaken like it's never been shaken for over 2,000 years. The last time they got such a shaking in the second heavens was when the Lord walked on this earth. There is such a shaking in the heavens like never before. Why? Because God is saying, no more delay. There is no more delay on what I'm about to do on earth. And I'll tell you now, the devil is absolutely shaking in his boots. Because he knows now his time is short. 
There is a shortness of time where there are literally physical parts of this earth that will be open to the heavenlies like never before. (coughs) And we're just praying now, Lord, let it be us. Let it be us here in bushfire. Let your presence overtake us above in the heavens, in the second heavens. Let no principalities, power, or workers of darkness, all of these things that aren't of flesh but in the spirit are going to be broken over us. There is going to be such an outpouring of God's presence upon us and in us and among us like never before. Like never before. Last night, I kept on waking up, maybe I would imagine 12 times in the night. And I've had the the same spirit, so I recognized that straight away, fear of the Lord was in the room. Fear of the Lord was standing at the bottom of my bed. Fear was just, you know, the fear, the reverential fear of God was just in our house. Now, you can mistake it for being fearful of something else, but I recognize this because I've had this experience twice before where the physical presence of that spirit, the reverential fear of God was in the room. And you want to cover up. You want to cover up and hide because there is nothing that God doesn't know. And it's coming on a body of people, folks. There is fear of the Lord, reverential fear, which will bring in holiness into his church that is lacking. We're about to see it happening. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Listen, folks, this is going to happen in our lifetime. I'm absolutely laying every card on the table. This is going to happen in our lifetimes. We're going to see the second coming of the Lord Jesus, not as that little baby wrapped up in swaddling, but we're going to see him come back with literally blood on his cloak. He's going to come back as the Lion of Judah. And guess what? He will have an army, both from the heavenlies and on earth, backing him up. Not that he needs us backing him up, by the way. He could do it all by himself with just a word. But there is something happening. And do you know what? God speaks through his feasts. Through his feasts. And it says in Leviticus 23, verse 2, it says, Speak to the children of Israel and Satan, the feasts of the Lord. Now most of the church say that these feasts are for the, the Jews. They're not. They're the feasts of the Lord. And I'll tell you something, that when we go into the thousand year reign of Christ, we will observe these feasts. Just as they are in heaven. Which you shall proclaim to holy convocations, these are my feasts. I'm going to come to the word feasts, holy convocations, and the one that we've had, which is signals, moed. Signals. God is sending signals. And if we want to have a quick look at the feasts, Basically, I've taken the same feast that is listed in uh, Leviticus. There are others, but these are the same seven feasts listed in Leviticus 23. We've got the Feast of Passover, which happens in the first month of the Jewish calendar. I'm going to mention calendars a little bit later. It happens in the first month. So right at the beginning of the year, we have the Feast of Passover. That's around about March and April. We're going to see the Feast of Passover come in. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is also in the first month. Then we get the Feast of First Fruits. 
Right, the first fruits, when they brought their first fruits of the harvest or the grape, they used to bring it into the temple and ask God, bless the first fruits. This is all things that are happening. They are still observed, these feasts of Israel, but they have such a prophetic significance to us today. And if we don't understand why these feasts are happening, what they represent, we're going to miss it. Then we have, in the third month, the Feast of Weeks, which is known as the Feast of Pentecost. It happens in the third month. Then we see the Feast of Trumpets follow straight on. But in the seventh month, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month. So this is on the seventh month. So we're looking at first month, third month, seventh month. Seven speaks at the end of the year. So what happens at the beginning is very significant with what happens at the end. You've got to keep this in your mind for later on. So... Then we go down to the Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement where, you know, they used to slaughter the the lamb as forgiving of all the sins of Israel. And then they used to release the goat into the wilderness. Incredible day. That's in the tenth day of the seventh month. So in the first day, we've got the Feast of Trumpets. And Trumpets is very significant. Very significant. And then it says... Also, on the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation. Again, that word comes up. And then we've got the Feast of Tabernacles, which happens at the end of the seventh month. Now, folks, I'm telling you now prophetically, we're about to see the fullness of some of these feasts. We saw the fullness of the Feast of Passover almost. Because Jesus, in the first, the first Passover, at the first beginning of the month, was to represent them coming out of Egypt. Right? Where they, they got the lamb, they killed it, etc., etc., and that was the Passover. Then they would come out carrying into the, into the desert for the next 40 years. But we saw a fullness type of it when Jesus came. He was the Passover. I'm going to exp- explain a little bit about that. But folks, we haven't come to the fullness of it. Why? Because of this. This is what's about to happen to the church. This is prophetically speaking. This is the first thing, because it's the first thing in the month that happened. What did they do when they came out of Egypt? Clothes, sandals, complete and utter healing in the body. As these millions came out, there was not, it says in the word, that there was not one feeble among them. This is going to return back to the church in fullness. Where you're going to see a body of people where there isn't going to be one, one sickness upon them. Disease or infirmity. You're going to see demons, literally, and it's going to stagger you when you're going to see it. Demons are going to fly out when they come in the presence, the cherubim presence, the cherubim fire. Now, folks... We've got a wrong concept about angels. Cherubim, when you see that, you know, you see Michelangelo's depiction of a cherub with a nice rosy face and being a baby. These cherubs are not little babies. They are huge. And they carry the fire of God. They, they are immense. Now, we're going to see two things come back on into church. Cherubim fire and the seraphim. The seraphim are the ones that bring in the presence of God. The presence of God. And you want to read when that presence lifted off Israel. And it's never come back. 
But we're about to see all this happen. So, I want you to have a look at this. Feasts means times of appointments or appointed times. So these feasts aren't just the practical feasts of observing. They're appointed times or times of divine appointment. In other words, it's God saying, put this in your diary because I'm going to speak to you. And holy convocations is the word micro, which means these are dress rehearsals. So it's like the whole, the whole part of Passover. It's a dress rehearsal for us at the end times to see the fullness of what God is going to be doing. Do you understand that? So everything that we've seen of Pentecost, Passover, and Tabernacle, we've seen a small part. It's only a dress rehearsal. And the unveiling of it is going to be in our lifetime. And the fulfillment of it. Thank you. The fulfillment of these feasts are going to happen in our lifetimes. So you've got to understand what they're about. You've got to understand. But that word appointed times, times of appointment, it's like your boss saying, I want you to come and visit me and have a chat with me. I want a meeting with you at 9 o'clock on Monday. Oh, I don't think I can make it. can, Can we make it another week? Can we, and that's what we're like as Christians. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we say these feasts are just for the Jews. They're not. They're God's feasts. They're God's feasts to give us times and appointments. So we need to know what they are, what it represents to us, and what is God saying. Do we agree? Yes? And every Jew would know that these feasts were divine appointments. That they should know what times and seasons that they're in. See, I I said this before, seasons is a really bad translation. It is not your winter and spring. It's better to say divine appointments for God's signals to us. These are God's appointments where he gives us signals for his people. You see, one of the things that we're really bad at is knowing the season that we're in, the times that we're in, the, the, the signals that God is showing us using the earth, the stars, the moon, and all the planets and the sun. We're really bad at that. It says in Luke 12, and he said to the multitudes, whether you see a cloud rising of the west, immediately you know a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather. And there it is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? I'm telling you now, most of the church do not discern the time that they're in. Most of the church are going to miss this. And I'll tell you now, something for nothing, some will even lose their lives because they're not discerning the times that we're living in. This is all, this is like God putting a, a big canvas up and he's putting the back or filling in all the back of it, you know, and he's building a picture and it's moving forward and forward and forward because you always start from the back and you come forward when you put a, a, point, a painting on um, canvas. And what God is doing is he's, he's put the back on for it. What we have to do is dig deeper. Dig deeper for it. Jesus This is talking about Jesus saying to them, you do not discern the times that you're coming. In other words, the times is me. 
This is the season that you're in. It's the Lord, the Messiah, coming to you, and you cannot even discern that. You hypocrites. You know that these, you know, the Pharisees knew and they could recite the first five books of the Bible. They knew it inside out. You just go and try and learn a little bit of Leviticus and all the laws. These guys knew it. And yet they could not discern that this was the Messiah, and they still can't today. But it's going to come. There's going to be an unveiling. And it's exactly the way that we are today. So these feasts are dress rehearsals for appointed times for us to discern the signal that God is sending us through his creation. It's absolutely incredible. These feasts are dress rehearsals for appointed times for us. These these things that are happening in the skies at this very moment in time are more for us than ever before the church. More than anything, and I'll prove it. It's the most exciting time to be alive as a Christian. The most exciting. And I know that we're here on a Wednesday, on a Friday night, and people have been working, been working really hard during the week, but you're tired. But I'm just here to say to you, get prepared. Because we're living in exciting times. Jeremiah verse 8 says, Even the storks in the heavens knows her appointed times. And the turtle dove, the swift, the swallow, observe the time of their coming. But my people do not know the judgments of God. There is judgments on this earth. And we're missing it. We're missing it. There are clear judgments coming upon this earth. And we're totally, totally and utterly missing it. If God is such a loving God, then why would he do this? Well, tell that to Sophia and Ananias. God is bringing his judgment. Why? Because not because he wants to punish us, but he wants to punish rebellion. He wants to do it so that we can step into something so much greater in his time and his plan. And what he's doing is he's getting rid of it. He's also using this to wake up the church. Church, wake up. You think you've got it all? But I see you, pitiful, poor, blind, naked, and wretched. But come by from me. Why? So we can overcome. We can overcome this world. See, everything has a divine appointment. And, you know, you can pick that up within, in uh, Ecclesiastes. That everything there is a season. There's a time and a purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. And you can go all the way through Ecclesiastes 3. Everything has a divine appointment. So if everything has a divine appointment, then shouldn't we know the time that we're living in? Yes? We need to know it more than ever. And if we miss the signals that God is displaying for all to see, these signals aren't being hidden. You know, it says that the rain falls on the unjust and the just. These signals are for everyone to see. When the Lord Jesus comes back, do you know what will happen? He will spend... Come down and and the whole heaven will be there and he will go round this world. And the whole world will see him coming. And that might take, you know, a couple of hours for him to to circumnavigate the whole of earth. And he's displaying and he's warning the armies of the Antichrist, your time is up. My time is now. And when he starts coming down like that, boy, there is going to be war. There is going to be such war on this earth like never before. 
I love this, but concerning the times and the season, brethren, you have not, no need that I should write this to you, because they knew what was happening. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord is so, that it comes as the thief of the night. But when they say peace and safety, folks, look at me. Please understand me in this. There is going to be a man that's going to stand up in front of the whole world and he's going to declare peace and safety. But we can't get misled by that because we're discerning the time that we're living in and the appointments of God. We cannot get it rid. Then sudden destruction comes upon them. This is what's going to happen. And if we're not ready for it, we're going to lose our lives in it. And I ain't going to see my little boy go up some scaffold because he believes in Jesus and get his head chopped off. And if you think that we're going to walk through some sort of daisies you know, and have a nice little skipping through a nice uh, green field, we are grossly mistaken. God is going to have a victory through a body of people like you and me. We're going to have to take the war to the enemy in a, in a, in a bigger way. And I'll tell you how we're going to do it. No, I won't. I'll leave it for later. But you see, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They shall not escape. Nobody is going to escape this. Nobody is. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. We're not. The veil has been taken off our heads, and we can see this in all of its light. Do you understand me? There is going to be an incredible, when you stand before the Lord, you're going to be asked, did you prepare Did you prepare for this? And did you warn others that these times were coming? And this is why I'm absolutely passionate about this. So that the day should not overtake you as a thief. You are the sons, we are the sons of light. The sons of the day and we are not of the dark nor of the darkness. There is a light coming on a body of people. Not just here around the world, but they're only a small body of people. There is true light coming upon them. And this is, you can sum this up by the five foolish and the five wise virgins. There are a body of people preparing, physically and spiritually preparing for this day. For this day. Are you prepared for what's coming on earth? When I said to our group on a, on a Sunday, are you prepared to spend a whole time without any electricity, without this, without that, not being able to cook, no central heating, when it's you know, minus five outside, are you prepared for it? I'll tell you something, we've got two years. I think less than two years, but we've got about two years before it really starts getting black. But this is our greatest hour. And what we've got to do is work with God, doing what we can in preparation for this, but then he will do the rest. Because without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. So there's got to be a faith about this, that Lord, we really are in your end times. And this is what I'm going to do. Because if I do this, then I know that you're going to do this, because you reward those that are faithfully standing on your word. Do you follow me? So when you get people like Trevor and I saying, well, you know, we're doing some things on the internet and looking at, you know, what food is out there that we can, you know, squirrel away. You know, we're not talking about just, you know, Mickey Mouse stuff. We're talking about, you know, army passion racks for 24 hours. That Ration packs. I say passion packs. Okay. <laughs> Cut that one out. But anyway, we're getting 24-hour ration packs. Yeah, and we're looking at food that can, can sustain us for, for, you know, a good year. 
go, you know, Morrison's or, or Asda, go out there. And we're, I'm, we're buying soups and tuna fish because it's 50p a tin. Start buying things, but look at the shelf life on them. You know, if it says sell by 2017, you can guarantee you can probably keep it for another couple of years and it'll be all right. You know, so, so don't worry too much about that. But are you doing it? Are you buying? You know, we're going to start doing the research because I am. Why? Because when we can't buy or sell, I know that I can, I can sustain my family on 2,000 calories a day. You know, that's, that's me. That's what I am. You know, there's, there's these ration packs that you can buy. You know, we're going to get them in. We're going to find a source, aren't we, Trevor? We're going to find a source and we're going to start buying them in. But they're going to be a shelf life of 15, 20 years. They, they've got to have that. You know, and where the mice can't get at them. But you know the times and seasons that you're living in. Why? Because I'm telling you. From Scripture. From Scripture. And this is where, as a church, or as a body of people, we can have light on us. Because if we know what's coming, and we're not overtaken like a thief in the night, we're not overrun by this, we're not surprised by it, then what are we going to be doing more than anything else? We're going to be prepared. We're going to be prepared then to help others in need. Is this, is this just making any sense? I really... Look, Genesis 1.15. We've been there. And let them be for lights. Can you see that word? Them be for lights. What? What's them being for lights? It's talking about the feasts. It's talking about the feasts of God. Let them be for lights for the firmaments of the heavens to give light on the earth. Have you ever seen that before? I mean, when I read this one right at the beginning... But that's it, folks. Let them be for lights. And it's talking about the feasts, the holy feasts of God. Let them be lights where I will display at an appointed time signals for you to understand. And they will happen around my feasts. This will become so much more clear as we go on. So what does this mean? It's meant to be this. I'm, I, listen. It's talking about the feasts. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Folks, I think I've missed out a whole lot. Let me just see the next one. Crikey, I've got the right head. See, so... So let me go back to that one. You know, that these feasts are moeds, they're times, divine appointments, they're dress rehearsals for us and signals from God, and they've got nothing to do with our Julian calendar. Nothing to do with our Julian calendar. These are Jews that are writing this. So if they're talking in the first month, they're not talking about January. They're not talking about February. They're not talking about March. They're talking from the calendar of God, the Jewish calendar you know, and everything that we do has to come from understanding the Jewish times and the Jewish calendar. Because the calendar is not like our Julian calendar, which is based on the sun, or not like the Muslim calendar that's based on the moon, but it's based, it has to be based, our calendar has to be based on the Jewish calendar, which incorporates both the sun and the moon. So if we understand what's happening with the lunar 
And the solar, at that point with the Jewish calendar, will have more understanding of what God is doing. So the Jewish calendar, it's really, I mean, I'm trying to get my head around it. It's really quite hard to understand, but I'm, I'm slowly getting to grips. One thing I didn't realize, this is just a, a little thing to throw out, is that in the Jewish calendar, they had to add an entire year, a month, every 19 years, so that the lunar and the solar match up. They have to add on a month every 19 years. They add another month to the calendar, just so it catches up and ties up. Why? So they get the feasts right. That's the only reason why it's all about the feasts. So don't you think God is speaking to us with this? Listen, the Magi knew about it, totally knew about it. You know, they knew the time and the seasons. Why? Because there were divine appointments given when? When was Jesus born? September, October, which is what? About the seventh month, right? Jesus was born then. And then the Magi knew, or the Magi, however you want to pronounce it, they knew that when a certain sign appears in the sky, that a king was going to be born of incredible importance. So that's why the Magi were looking for But who told them about it? Have you ever thought, who told these men of the East all about this? Daniel. Daniel did. Well, hey, Daniel taught the Magi all about these signs that appear in the sky. He taught them all. He said, when you see this, get prepared to move and take with you gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I haven't got time for that. Gold is, is kingly, frankincense is anointing, myrrh is burial. Take these three things to this king of kings that we be born. And they looked for that star to appear in the sky. Year after year after year after year. For hundreds of years, they waited for the sign that this king and this signal that he was going to be born. And they followed that. And we just, it's now becomes, we can blase about it. Little town of Bethlehem, you know, the little star of David, whatever it is, you know, that, that we've just sort of like lost the true meaning of it all. Lost the true meaning is that these guys followed the star until it settled. And only when it settled over Bethlehem did it display all of its light. And it throbbed in the sky. It didn't move. Un yeah, that's, that's not natural. God was announcing something, a signal or a sign for a divine appointment about to come. As a dress rehearsal, are we ready for the second coming of the Lord? Because that's what it's about. This is a dress rehearsal for us to understanding the times and the seasons that we're in. Are we understanding the displayment of God's signals in the sky? I would say not. I would say not. Listen. Pentecost. We have not seen the fulfillment of Pentecost where they saw the spirit land on 120 people that they radically changed this world. Radically changed it. And in one day we see 3,000 souls were added in the first day. And they were baptized and gladly received the, the word. 
can you imagine this, this, just around this neighborhood, how they would <laughs> gladly receive the word of God? They don't know it. They haven't got a clue what it's about. But they're about to understand it in a bigger way and a bigger dimension than, than the world has ever seen. So if they're going to add 3,000 souls, and this is not the entirety of this feast, what's going to happen to us when we see for the fulfillment of this feast? We're not going to see 3,000 come to the Lord in one day. We're going to see 30,000 come to the Lord. How many, how many does that stadium hold? 50,000? 50,000? Twickenham holds 110,000. Imagine preaching the word there. And 110,000 people give their lives to the Lord in one day. That's not impossible for God to do. And then think about the, 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 the shockwaves after that when the recording gets out and that glory falls in people's homes as they're listening to it. Imagine what it's going to be like when you walk into the office or walk into the supermarket or walk wherever you've got to go and people fall out under the power of the Holy Spirit. As Peter did with the shadowing of the Holy Spirit. And people are going to fall out under this. And you're going to see a fullness of the Feast, the feast of Pentecost. Like never before. Oh, there's going to be such... Corin and Michelle are not going to have to spend four or five hours delivering somebody or, or putting something back together again. They're going to do it in ten minutes. If that, they're going to say it in a word. Be restored and bam! Be restored. It's going to be because there's authority in the word. And there's going to be power from heaven backing that word up. Be restored. And they're going to be fully restored. Every hurt that man has done is going to be healed in an instance. Can you imagine the scale of this? Because we haven't got time for spending three hours with hundreds of thousands of people that are going to come to the Lord or millions of people. We're going to have to restore them with a word. Be restored. That's what's going to happen. Folks, this is going to happen in the darkest time of this world. And we're going to be the light. We are going to be light. Thessalonians sums it up. You're not in darkness, you're in light. So be light, be salt. It says in Psalm 104, 19, He appointed the moon for seasons and the sun knows it's going down. You see, the Feast of Passover was a dress rehearsal for what? For Jesus. You know, when they did it in Egypt, it was a dress rehearsal for Jesus to come. And he died at 3 p.m. on that cross. And the exact time, this is what flabbergasts me, the exact time that the priests would be holding their own Passover and slaughtering the lamb, they'd be singing Psalm 27, 20, 22. The psalm of the cross. They'd be singing that in the temple whilst they were crucifying our Lord. His bones sticking out, his tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth. Wicked men surround me like the bulls, calling me. They divide my garments. They're singing Psalm 22. Now Jesus, I say the Lord, God, knew where he would be. He knew the exact time. He knew the exact place. He knew exact songs that would be singing when his son was crucified. So what I'm about to say, isn't it more possible for this to happen 
Anyone heard of a guy called Ron Wyatt? Ron Wyatt. He died of cancer. Um, he was a, a nurse, I understand, but he died of cancer. But he was an archaeologist using the Bible. And he, was, he was the one that found the, um, the ark, um, Noah's ark, um, in Turkey. He took photographs about it. He found the crossing where they, they crossed in the Sea of Reeds. Not the Red Sea, but the Sea of Reeds. He found chariots, you know, wheels and, and, and uh, the iron of them and you know, found all these artifacts. And uh, uh, he, he came under a lot, of, a lot of criticism. There were people even now today debunk him of, as a fraud, as a charlatan, as, a, as this and that. There, I, I read in one part where somebody even rejoiced when he, when he died. A Christian rejoiced when he died. He said, let this charlatan go to hell. It's absolutely dreadful. But listen, I think this is possible. He was doing an evacuation, uh, an evacuation, an excavation around a site where he thought might be the crucifixion site. And he got unprecedented merit and favor with the, um, the Israelis that allowed him to do this. Excuse me. And basically, he discovered that He's discovered a, a hole in the ground where there was one to the one side and another hole on the other side in a rock, something like five or six meters down. And it was solid rock. But he found something else. He found a crack of an earthquake coming from the central hole through this rock. And, and he put it all together. It was where they would lift up the cross and put it into place. Now, we know when Jesus died in the earthquake rocked that whole area. But what Ron Wyatt discovered was this. He discovered by an angel showing him a secret cave to go into, he discovered where the Ark of the Covenant was hidden. Because when they sacked it in uh, AD, well, when Nebuchadnezzar came, they hid it. They hid the Ark of the Covenant in caves when the first temple was sacked. They hid it again when the Romans surrounded it. So it was buried. We never found it. Never found the Ten Commandments. But what Ron White did was he filmed it all on one of these old, old cameras, you know, with the old big sort of like video tape. And he left it on the ark because the Lord, the angel that was with him said, let this be rested on here. We'll take care of it because there is going to come a time when the Antichrist will come on and say this never happened. And this tape will come out in those last days and be played for the world to see it. But what he discovered was this. He was shown the Ark of the Covenant. And then he was shown a very dark patch on the mercy seat. The mercy seat. And he scraped it up. And he put it into a little jar. And he um, went to a, a laboratory in, in Jerusalem. And he said, can you please analyze, analyze this, blood, this blood? And what they found out, I have to get my facts right because Michelle's sitting there and she's, she's done a doctorate in all of the blood and this and that and she'll know exactly. But what's unique about this blood that was analyzed, that it was found to only have 24 chromosomes. See, 24, you know that's, that, we, that we have 46 chromosomes. Is that right, Michelle? 46 23 from our mother and 23 from our father. When this was analysed, it found it had 24 chromosomes. 23 from the mother 
one from the Father. One from the Father. And it was found directly underneath where the earthquake had moved the, the rock and it had dripped the blood of Jesus from the cross, dripped onto the very mercy seat in the feast of Passover. Isn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. And the Jewish technician said to him, said, where on earth did you get this blood? Because not only has it got 24 chromosomes, which is unheard of, never seen it before, that blood was still living. It was still alive. It was crusted over, but it was still living. Oh, my word. And the guy, Ron White, turned around to this technician and said, that's the blood of your Messiah. Anyway, cut a long story short, he covered it all up. Um, he was told to do this, and basically, um, they tried, three people tried to excavate, excavate where they thought he'd done it. Three people died. That's fact. You know, they, they, that, that people had caves collapse on them, you know, things were shut off, other people, they just died. But the fact is that, that, that he had the proof, and, and people tried to disprove all this. But you know what? I happen to believe it. Because wouldn't it just be like our God that knew the songs that they'd be singing in the temple to have the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ fall on the very mercy seat to bring a fullness of Pentecost, of Passover? I tend to believe it. But that was a dress rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal for us. And I can go into a little bit more. If you want to go, I can give you the, the uh, uh, website. But you know, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets, they blew the trumpet 99 times throughout the day. But when they blew, and everyone would know this, when they blew the 100th time, they blew one long, long blast on the trumpet. Everybody know, would know that the Feast of Trumpets had come to an end. This is why we have Paul saying in, in, in the gospel, in, in the, uh, the letters, you know, the last trump. He's speaking from the Feast of Trumpets. He knew that every Jew would understand what he was going on about. Listen, folks, we're about to have the fullness of that come about in our lifetime. You're going to hear the last trump blown from chauffeurs in heaven. And I'll tell you now, Neville's seen angels practicing blowing their chauffeurs in heaven. He's seen that he's, there's lots of practice, there's lots of angels practicing blowing the chauffeur for the last trump when it's all finished and it's all over. It's the last trump. And when you look in the book of Revelations, you can have a look at what do the angels do? They blow on a chauffeur. And it's all significance. And the, when that happened, Jesus rose up from the, from the tomb. And that was the first fruit. Jesus rose from the dead. And 50 days later, we go into the Feast of Pentecost. And in that third hour, at 9 a.m. exactly, because every man would have to be in the, in the temple, that when this feast was being proclaimed in the temples, at 9 a.m., everybody had to be in the temple. And whilst you had hundreds and thousands of people all in the temple, in the outer courts, the inner courts, you know, the Holy Spirit hit a bunch of people. And this is why that so many people around them, because it was such a big area, could understand what they were saying in their language. 
That wasn't in the upper room. It never says that they were assembled in the upper room when the Holy Spirit hit them. It said they, were, they came together in the temple. And then the Holy Spirit hit them and Pentecost flowed out of that. And then you get Peter going from the squeaky mouse to a roaring lion in front of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he said, I won't stop preaching this man, Jesus. I will not. Even if it costs me my life, I won't do it. And I'll tell you, out of the, the 11 apostles, the 11 apostles after Judas committed suicide in that field, after 11 apostles, only one, one survived. The rest were all martyred. Out of the 10 apostles, the 10 apostles out of 11 were martyred. Now that tells me something. These guys weren't mad. They believed in what they were dying for. They believed in dying for Jesus. Right. I love this next one. Acts 2. And continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and the simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And that word saved is sozo, body, mind and spirit. When they received Jesus in their, in, in, and they said, I'm going to follow this man, they were healed in their bodies and they were healed in their minds. Just unbelievably in one go. It was a one hit. They didn't need prayer for healing. They didn't need prayer for deliverance. They were saved, sozo body, mind and spirit. We've lost the meaning of that. This is what's coming back to the church. This message is going to come back in fullness. I've almost finished. So, now we've got the coming of the four blood moons. What significant is this to us? This is unbelievable. The first two blood moons are going to happen in 2014. Then we're going to have a solar eclipse in between the two. That solar eclipse happens in 2015. Then we have the two blood moons again in 2015. Mark Blitz, this great messianic Jew, amazing man, did the research in all of this. You You can go into it. This guy gets all the credit. He did all the research. He said, has this ever happened again? Because when he had a look at it, and I've been on NASA's website, by the way, folks. It's on there. It's in black and white. This is absolutely backed up on NASA's website. Not Christian Heritage Magazine or Charisma or whatever. This is from NASA's website. I, when I first heard this back in 2008, I checked it all out. Because that's the way that I am. I need to check it all out. And this is what he found. The first one, in 2014, in just a couple of months' time, folks, I put our dates on it so that we won't miss it. In April, the first blood moon appears on Passover, the feast of Passover. Remember, dress rehearsals for divine appointments, for signals from God, Passover. The second one happens, tabernacles. So now, folks, remember what I said? First month and seventh month. The first Passover happens in the first month on the Jewish calendar. The feast of tabernacles happens at the end of the calendar. What's that of the, of the seven month calendar? What's that saying to us? It's going to happen at the end. This is the Feast of Tabernacles has never been fulfilled. We're going to have the Feast of Tabernacles filled at the end times. 
like never before. What does it mean? Very simply, God is going to come to his people before he comes for his people. There's going to be a body of people that are going to walk like William Branham, A.A. Allen, where William Branham, they asked him, what's your greatest gift, William Branham? He said, knowing when to move aside and let God in. And on numerous occasions, people saw the Lord Jesus physically walk into this man and the whole atmosphere changed. Now, God is not going to come back to an institution. He's not going to come back to a religion. He's going to come back for a people that have overcome. Overcome what? Overcome this world that was so torn, that was so absolutely for Jesus that nothing else matters. This is our time where we're going to see the fullness of the Feast of Tabernacles happen, where he will tabernacle in his people. And then the greater works will start just happening because Jesus said even greater works than you shall do than I. And this is what it's about. But watch this, folks. Solar eclipse. I'll explain this in a minute. Happens then. Again, March of 2015. Passover, 2015. The same feast on the same day happens on the, sec- on the third blood moon. Same day. Now, folks, that is not a coincidence. Nobody can tell me that this is a coincidence. And if I've spent one hour telling you something, God is sending us a signal. God is sending us a signal for what is about to come on earth. And if we don't understand what's going to happen, we're going to get lost. Then, the fourth blood moon happens right at the end. Guess when? Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacle. Has this ever happened before? Yes. It has. Happened last time, happened 1968, 1969. What happened then, 1967? Jerusalem was given back. They captured it in the seven-day war. The Jews took back and they actually gained all the Golden Heights. They gained land. They took back Jerusalem, came back into the occupation of of the Jewish nation. Praise God. So there was war. Has this happened before? Absolutely. 1949, 1950. What happened in 1948? They signed Israel back to the nation. Came back into the Jewish hands. Has this happened before? Yes, it has. Happened once before. 1492. 1492 was where the Jews were kicked out of Spain and the Inquisition started. Over a million and a half Jews were killed in the Spanish Inquisition. Why? Give up worshipping your God and worship our way. And they went to the rack. They, went, they got burned to the stake. They got horrendous ways. Just read the Book of Martyrs. But folks, the year before that, or a couple of years, exactly the same thing happened in Spain, in France, and in Great Britain. Exactly the same thing happened. The Jews were despised and kicked out. And that's when the Jews went to a guy called Christopher Columbus. It's not about America. They went to Christopher Columbus and they said, listen, we need to find a new, new place to live. You're the man. You're the man to do it for us. You've got to find a different place for us to live. And most of his crew were Jewish. His, absolutely, yeah, Christopher Columbus was Jewish. I used to add. He was Jewish. But he sailed and found what? the land of America. So you can see why there was anointing in America, why there was such a battle happening in America, 
and why God will bring judgment on America. Because a bunch of people went looking for what? Looking for God. Looking for God. But this is incredible. What? NASA, if this never happens again. For the, the NASA can, can go, I've, I've been through it, right the way through for thousands, it never happens again. Never, ever happens again. Passover, tabernacle. Passover, tabernacle. Never happens again. Don't you think God's trying to say something to us? Shall I tell you what I think? I'm in this, I'm coming to the end of it now. You see, we need as, as a church to be on God's calendar. We need to understand God's calendar. We don't need to be understanding the Julian calendar. We need to be understanding God's calendar. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. I've got a thumping headache. I just know that it's spiritual. But, folks, God is putting a signal in the skies for us. What's it going to mean? The moon, the lunar, in this instance, represents the Jewish nation. The solar represents us. And the last major solar eclipse that we saw was in 2008. What happened in 2008? The monetary system collapsed. This is a signal for us to get ready. There is going to be war in Jerusalem, in Israel. Without a shadow of a doubt, there is going to be war. And I'll go more into this next week. I'll give you the real nitty-gritty of what's going to happen. And the long term, what's going to happen. But God is sending us a signal to get ready. There is going to be something happen of war, because whenever this happens, it's war to the Jewish nation. The solar, the, the solar eclipse is the sun which speaks about us. It's going to be a financial collapse like never before. It's going to happen. There is going to be a financial collapse. There is going to be devastation of war. And this is going to usher in what? The Antichrist. The Antichrist after 2015 is going to come onto the scene. Absolutely I'm not saying Jesus is coming back. I've heard incredible men, you know, who have got incredible, huge ministries saying Jesus can come back at any time. No, he can't. Why? Because we haven't had our fullness. And I've heard these same men say, and God is going to rapture us out of it. No, he isn't. He is not going to rapture us out because this is going to be our greatest time. And isn't it like God to take a body of people through a storm where there are many losing their lives and we're going to be the answer in that storm? And there's going to be a body of people, folks, that not just go through the storm, but walk from this storm straight in without dying. They won't have resurrected bodies. They'll walk straight out of this storm into the thousand-year reign of Christ. Because... Even though death has lost its sting through the cross and the resurrection that we have with resurrected bodies, when we die, we don't die. We go straight to heaven. Thank God for that. But death has not been defeated by a body of people. And I totally believe that that body of people is us, that we will not taste death. 
Our children will not taste death. Our wives, our husbands will not taste death. Because we will walk straight in to the thousand-year reign of Christ. Absolutely. Listen, folks, there is a great tribulation about to start. I think the great tribulation, the outpouring of the bowls and the pestilence that you see in the book of Revelations, and I'm going to preach all of this, I'm going to go through it, so that we can understand what we're, th- what we're living in. And this, this, is, this is not that far away. If we now, through this last hour and a bit that I've spent saying that God sends us signals using the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets. Listen, why do you think that this has been robbed from the church of discerning what's happening in the planets? What we've done is the new age have moved in. You can read your stars. You can get divine inspiration from reading your stars, and it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. No, it isn't. It's all about him. And then when we start understanding all of this, and I will, f- I will floor you over with what is in the skies all around this time. It will bowl you over. What God is saying to us as a body of people, it will floor you. Absolutely floor you with what God is about to do. He is about to launch his battle plans into action all around this time. We're on the brink of it. We will start, as Neville says, we will start moving in this in a trickle. It will start happening, and we might see it as massive success of maybe you know, a few hundred people or whatever, and people getting healed, but it will start as a trickle. It will end where we will be seeing 30,000 people saved in a day, and then you're going to have to teach them. You're going to have to teach them. You're going to have to teach them quicker how to run quicker and faster than you've ever done before. Your ceiling should be their floor. Absolutely. Because we haven't gone far enough. And when we start doing that, we put their, our ceiling onto their floor where they can just walk on and run further, then God will do something incredible in us and on us. This, these young people, not just young people as in youth, these young people that are babes in Christ are going to have to have sons, uh, have mothers and fathers, grandfathers and grandmothers. So let them and teach them how to walk with the Lord. And then we're going to see a complete, utter fulfillment of Ephesians 4. Training and equipping the saints for the greater works, where they come together in unity. And that they'll, they'll do away with apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, etc., They'll do away with that because we won't need it because everybody will be doing it. There will still be, I think, the greatest movement that we're about to see is the apostolic movement. The people that will usher not just this movement in, but usher the next movement in and the next and the next and the next. My mind is already in the thousand-year reign. Honestly, my mind is already thinking about, Lord, how are we going to subdue and bring in your kingdom on this earth. You will have, you're going to have a body of people. Lord, you know, I'll go to four or five countries. Look at the, town, the, the, uh, the, the parable of the miners, M-I-N-A-S. And he says, because you've been faithful with five, I'll give you five cities. 
Listen, our rewards are never-ending. Never-ending. But our reward is this, is that we can become priests and sons of the living God. To do his service like a bond servant. But to love him unconditionally as he loved us. Are you excited? This is literally just a... Honestly, I'm telling you, I'm only giving you sort of like a, a basic background canvas. We're going to put some more paint on it next week. And then after that, it's going to get going to get more descriptive, more detailed, precise as we go on over these next few months. This is what the Friday's about. It's about coming out with stuff like this. It's about you now doing the research yourself, asking the questions, doing the research. Lord, is this right? Check it out. Go and do some, some checking yourself. This has taken me hours, hours to put together. Hours. But it's also taken me years. Taken me years to put this together since 2008. So you think, you know, this hasn't come out of a, a whim. I can go back to my notes and show you the date on my notes of 2008 where I wrote it down. I didn't, it's not on a, I've written it down. So this has been a process of five years. And I have researched, I have prayed, and I totally believe with all my heart. By looking at this and discerning the time that we live in, we're living in the end hour. The end hour. Have you heard about the doomsday clock? They've got a physical clock on the earth that people who aren't Christians, these are non-Christian people, they are saying, how close are we end to the end of the, uh, of, of the world as we know it? Ten years ago, it was at quarter to twelve. Midnight being the final dong. Now, that clock is physically at four minutes to twelve. So the secular people, without the Spirit of God, are recognizing where they are. Folks, we're close to it. But it's our greatest hour. Never lose sight of that. No matter what's happening in this world, never lose sight of it. We're living in our greatest hour. So, Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for, for the word that is God-breathed. You breathed on all scripture. And, Father, it's useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness. And, Father, I pray that we grab hold of what you're saying. And, Lord, that we come out with the deeper secrets that you've got for us, that are not hidden away, that are there for us all to see. But I pray, Lord, give us discernment. Give us discernment to what filter away from man and what to keep from you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this is just the bare bones. Will you give us inspiration by the Holy Spirit to put flesh and sinew and muscle onto this skeleton? That, Lord, that we can be fully prepared. And I pray now for over these people, Lord, and whoever's listening to my voice, Lord, I pray, will you start preparing an army, a literal army for this time? Lord, I pray that we will be physically prepared, but more importantly, that we'll be spiritually prepared for this time. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Has anyone got any questions? I know it's quarter to nine. Has anyone got any questions that they want to ask? I'll get the microphone. If you want to ask them, then please ask. And then 
the tape will also pick up on it. So people can hear your questions. That's why. Trevor, can you be in charge of that? You're going to be the first, and then Billy. Okay, yeah, you know, you said you've got the dates for the uh, four blood moons and the um, eclipse. Yeah. Uh, do you think this is, is, is there an event or significance to each one? Yeah, well, absolutely. Passover, Feast of Passover, that's when it starts. Then we've got the Feast of Tabernacles, Passover Tabernacles. Absolutely. It's absolutely beginning of the month ends. So it's speaking things of fulfillment. I mean, do, you, do you think there's going to be, do you have a sense of there being an event or something happening on that, on that day? Or? A world yeah. event. I believe that we'll start seeing it in 2015 16, yes. Right. Absolutely. If we look at it, Jerusalem. Uh, Israel was given back to the Jews in 1948. The two blood moons didn't happen until 4950. And the same thing happened in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem was a capture in the seven-day war at 67. The blood moons didn't happen until 68, 69. So I think something already significant has happened. I think it's already happened. And I think one of the biggest significant things that we're seeing is the United States kissing Israel as a Judas. Billy's got a question. If it doesn't answer your question, please ask it again. I'm, I'm, yeah, somebody else can give the answer. How long will the moon be red for? Sorry? How long will the moon be red? Is it one day? One day. Okay. And what's the doomsday clock? I don't know what that is. Just Google it. Okay. Have a look at Google. and Just, just Google doomsday clock. It's a clock that people, secular people... Have scientists have put put together? See, there you go. It started in 1947. It's ni- 1947. They started this clock. Why? Because it's God's timepiece. Israel and especially Jerusalem is God's timepiece. So they started this clock in 1947, and basically they're saying, "Where are we in time?" And it's now four minutes to twelve. Is that right? So you got you got your. Oh, right, anyone can write on Wikipedia. Um, five minutes to midnight on the 14th of January, uh, 2012. So, so we're four, four minutes. So, I'm t- folks, can I, can I honestly say where we are? By 2015, we've got seven years left. Seven years left. I know that I said last week we're about nine, uh, 2021, but I believe that, you know, that we know, we're not to know the, 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 the hour, but we can know the month or the year. I believe that it's 2021, 2022. That's it. Absolutely, that's it. And when we see Damascus was destroyed from Isaiah 17, we know we're really, really close. Really close. See, I saw, saw you on your things. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, let it be right. Let it be right, but it's, it's there. Uh, so this is why it's really important to know God's calendar. God's, they're using the Jewish calendar. And I'm, yeah. Do you, want, do you want to get the microphone? No, no, because we want people to, to hear. I just saw in the um, news today um, that the Spanish government has, um, is seeking to welcome back Jews. Yeah. Wow. The, yes, it, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know where it's come from. But, wow. But yeah, they, there might be some. Absolutely brilliant news. 
Because, you know, that, that, that blood from Spain, Jewish blood, is still crying out from the grounds, but so is ours. You know, and that blood has to go unanswered. God will not let that be unjudged. That will be judged. And isn't it funny about Spain? Wasn't the king's daughter, aren't they being uh, um, accused of embezzlement or tax avoidance? You know, but I believe that's, I, 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 I don't know why, but I just believe it's a, it's a, it's a um, dark herring, red herring. I, I, I've got something, I don't know what it is, but I just when I saw that, you know, I think they're, they're good people. I don't know why, I just feel it. Could be wrong, we'll see. Oh, the other thing I know, the other thing just to notice also was uh, in each of those dates, that's the first day of each of each um, yeah. festival. It's not like... No, it's like no, it's the no. Because the, 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 the feasts go for seven days. It happens on the first day of those feasts. I, except I think I was just checking the the, tabernacle, the tabernacles on the second one, I think starts the ninth rather than the eighth, but I think you've got a question of um, it could be me. When they, when they quite start. But yeah, it seems to be every time on the first of the day. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, tried, you know, I've, I've had a look at it, and it's just incredible. It is the 28th of September, 2015. I thought it was uh, But what they do is, it starts at sundown the day before. Yeah. Because the Hebrew day goes from sundown to sundown. sundown as opposed from midnight to midnight. This is why it's the Sabbath on a Friday night. It goes right the way through to a Saturday night, 6.30. It's Shabbat. I, I don't know if you're going to be speaking about it, but in natural fact... When we get to the tabernacles on this, on the eighth of the tenth, fourteen. Um, well, before the tabernacles, you get the, the uh, where they blow the shofar. Yep. Or, um, and they use that day as the uh, as uh, as a new year, because we know that the. Biblical New Year, as you say, it starts in Nisan 1, yep. when they entered the land. But they do have a social calendar, which Jesus would have They've got the festive used. and they've got the civil. Yeah, the civil one, which is... And on the civil one, in, in this year that we've just stepped into, at, at um, the New Year, Rosh Hashanah, or... Trumpet, yes, or, or which is the, is 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 the September the twenty fifth, that actually starts for one year, so it's two thousand fourteen to two thousand fifteen, September to September roughly, it's the start of the Shabbat year, because you're supposed to grow stuff for six years and then you've got to let the land rest. Yep. And the interesting thing is, it's not just... What, from, from the 28th, 2015? No, from this 14th. From the 14th, it's your, it's your, it's your back year. From the 25th of September, right. which is just before Sukkot, which yep. you've got is the 8th. That's right. It's the start of the civil year. It starts the one where you rest. But it also happens to be 
seven times seven, it's the 49th. And when we oh, get wow. round to the 2015, again, the new year will be the 14th of September, of which Tabernacles comes on the 28th. Oh, wow. And that will be the year of Jubilee when everything comes back to the rightful owner. Yes. Amazing. See? And the thing is, go back seven years was when all the monetary systems come down. Yes. 2007, 2008. That's right. You're right. I tell you, there's going to be a financial collapse. Mark my words. Mark my words. We've only got a short period of time to prepare for it. I feel like I should know this already, but what is the UK's official um, stance to Israel at the moment? Not good. I know that June had some information a few weeks ago. It's not I can't good. remember the detail, but I'd just like to have brush up. We're, we're, we, are, we are following America in a, lot, in, in a lot of our stance. And if you look at what um, Kerry is doing, the... He's the American Foreign Secretary. That's it, Foreign Secretary. He is now, he's been in Israel for, for over a week, and he's come back and he's saying, you know, we've got to get this peace in Israel. We've got to make this peace. But what they're actually doing behind the scenes is telling Israel what to do, and then they'll bring peace in. And basically, it's Israel, give up your land, go open up the borders, have, have the Palestinians living next door to you, by the way, who have just struck again, twice in Jerusalem, in uh, Bethlehem, now, isn't that funny? What we know now is that that church down um, in St. James, Saint James in, London. in London put that wall up, and it's depicting the, the uh, wall of occupation um, outside Bethlehem. That's what they said it was. And two bombs have gone off in Bethlehem. One has injured a young child, not seriously, and the other one was against the um, Israeli Defence Force. But thank God nobody's lost a life. And that was in Bethlehem just this last couple of days. So the UK's pretty much following I, the US. I don't, yeah, I don't. We're, we're, we're going to have to have men and women speak to our, God bless girls, <laughs> ladies. Ladies. God bless. Bye. Um, but, you know, I, I just believe that we've got to have people speaking into our politicians. Mm. We need to be bombarding our politicians. Yes, Michelle. Is this helpful, folks? Is it, is it helpful? What's a blood moon? What right, a blood moon is basically where um, the moon is literally eclipsed by the earth. So if you've got the moon here, that we literally go in between that and the sun doesn't come through. We block out the sun on the moon. That turns it to blood. Hang on, wait. I think it's because light still comes, light comes through because of the, um, just the uh, way this, I, I can't quite work it out, but, but because, There's the a light, measure of because the light is bent, yeah, it has um, to go around the, the earth. It, fa it favors one side of the spectrum, which is the red side, as, as light, you know, so if you imagine a prism, you know, where like, you know, refraction of light and everything so you like got that. The moon there, use my big head, well, small head, earth here, sun here. The sun is so much time, times greater than the earth. But when the earth comes in between the moon, the, the, the actual rays go around the earth 
and go on to the causing it to go red. That's how I very simply understood it. Where the solar eclipse is the sun getting blocked out, or with the earth getting in between the sun. That's right. So uh, it's happening. Folks, you know, signals. Signals. Front man's ball, middle man back. Signals so, so we know what's going on. What's God, God's plans for us? You don't, know, you don't know the previous four blood moon scenarios had a lunar eclipse, a full solar lunar eclipse. Um, sorry, full solar eclipse yes. in the middle of them. Did yes, they? Did absolutely. they also? Yeah, two blood moons, solar eclipse, two blood moons. What, in, in 67, 68? Yeah, and, and 49. Well, it was 49.50. 49.50. Oh, right, okay. And look what happened. What happened in 1950? Suez Canal. Suez Canal. You know, this whole thing on you know, the oil. And you had OPEC starting up. And literally, you know, the world was held to ransom by the forming of OPEC later in the 70s. But it was ushered in by NASA declaring the uh, oil fields government property, nationalising. It's interesting, isn't it? But also, it's the church. You know, if you look at 4850, around what happened in the church in 4850, is you had the biggest, one of the biggest healing movements starting for the next 20 years. You know, you had William Branham coming into his, and A. Allen and Catherine Coleman all through that time coming in. And then you saw in the 60, 68, 69, what happened, what came into the church? Charismatic movement. So for the church, it's great things. You know, that's what I forgot to mention. For the church, it's great things. I think Erosha Drummond will die now. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ariel Sharon. The question was, will Ariel Sharon die, you know, in the short foreseeable future? I would say yes. Yes. Are there any other questions anybody wants to ask? The thing is, you know, one of the greatest things that most people miss out is that the Gentiles have to have their fullness. Why? Because then the Jews will have theirs. And what, how that will happen, I think Billy picked up on it really well last week. Because Billy came and said, you know, do you know why? And I thought, well, yeah, I sort of like no. But Billy said, is, a fact, is that we will provoke the Jews into jealousy. 